The following podcast may contain discussions supported by science that may be considered dangerous to some listeners and conspiracy theorists. Discretion is advised. The Three Down Greencast is brought to you by the Pile of Bones Brewing Company. Home delivery available in Regina at sassbeardelivery.ca. Welcome to the Three Down Greencast. You are listening to the internet's only free Gavin Adcock podcast. <laughs> I am Joel Gasson with John Fraser as usual. And I don't blame you if you don't quite understand the reference I made off the top mm, there. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you may have missed fine. the news, and then because it involves sort of a, a smaller United States university college football team. That is, of course, George Southern. Uh, one of their players, Gavin Adcock, uh, has been suspended indefinitely, and he apologized to uh, Georgia Southern fans. Side note: Georgia Southern is incredible. Just because their um, slogan is G-A-T-A, GATA, which stands for Get After That Ass. And and they've got a guy <laughs> named Gavin. Like, okay, you can't have a slogan that says Get After That Ass. Have a guy with the name Adcock and then shit on him for what he did. Yes. So he he put out this big apology on social media for what he did. And but, I'm see, going, to, op- I'm going to open this by to... saying I do not condone what he did. But Georgia Southern overreached in terms of their punishment because he apologized for standing on top of the moving team bus and chugging a beer on Saturday after they almost beat Louisiana Lafayette, which would have been a relatively big upset for that team. Well, and like you look at you look at the fact that, you know, until now we hadn't heard of Georgia Southern football uh, and we're talking about them uh, to pull off a a near upset. And again, I'm not one that knows a ton about college football, but... Mm -hmm. Like, for the guy to get on top of the bus with the name Adcock and chug a beer, like, that, to me, I did so much stupider shit in college. I once fell off the back of my own pickup truck once in, in, in high school, never mind college. Some of the shit I did in college, I don't think I can repeat for, I don't know if the statute of limitations has passed for crimes committed in Thunder Bay, Ontario. But I feel like that's just college kids giving off college energy. And mm. I feel like if you were thinking about going to jo- Georgia Southern, this is like big Mormon school energy. This is like honor code, TCU, not the place you go to have fun. They should have rode with this. They should have made sure this kid was starting. I can't believe they suspended him. Again, it's not safe. And as a parent, I should be saying that. But come on. You almost yeah. pull up an upset and you're a shitty football team. You get on top of the bus and chug a beer in front of some students. Like, what the hell's wrong with that? Yeah, like, I I mean, he probably shouldn't have done it. And, yeah, you probably shouldn't be on top of, of a moving bus. Oh, but... I, I see the issue. Okay, yeah. I'm just Googling it now. Apparently it was before the game. Yeah, even then, who cares? Right. I mean, who has I mean, he, like, he shouldn't have done it, blah, 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 blah. But to suspend him indefinitely seems like, it seems like a bit much. I could see him having to apologize and then. Give him a game or one of those token, like, three hours of community service or something. But, like, to suspend a guy indefinitely for being dumb, I mean, if you're going to do that, there would be a lot of guys who wouldn't be playing football. The thing I think that bothers me about this, and I'm going to get serious for a second, which we never do off the top, is there have been some egregious crimes committed by far worse people. Mm Mm-hmm that have been buried and ignored and things like that. And this kid gets on top of the bus, chugs a beer as the fans are driving by and he's suspended indefinitely. I hope it's just one of, I hope it's no more than a game or two for this kid. 
Because that's just like, that's just fun, man. Sports are supposed to be fun. Football's supposed to be fun. And yeah, I'm all bored on free Gavin Adcock. And it's not just because I get to say the word Adcock and make it feel like this podcast has big dick energy now. <laughs> no, it is not just because of that. But of course, yes, yeah, sports are supposed to be fun. And uh, we did a thing where we talk about a thing and then sort of the opposite happened as... Um, we had actually a bit of a fun game between the Riders and the Lions, or at least a fun finish between the Riders and the Lions last week. Uh, we're going to get into that in a little bit. And uh, we also have to talk, of course, about uh, the Riders' upcoming schedule, which could also be fun, which is the fact that they get to play the Calgary Stampeders three times in a row. Yes. Which is a fun little quirk that can only happen in the CFL. Speaking of fun, too, I'm going to need you. Your, your text messages are going to ding. I try not to... Um... Try not to text you during uh My phone's always games. on silent anyway, so it's okay. That's fair. Okay, so I need you to pick up your phone and, and look at the text I just sent you because this is another fun thing that is relevant to this podcast. Okay. Okay? <laughs> Do you like it or what? Absolutely. Yours is in the mail. So to describe it, and actually for our podcast listeners, this is now... I Podcasting is a visual medium after all, so... That, that's right. Um, for our podcast listeners, uh, and I'll be tweeting this after the show and a bunch of stuff, uh, I've shown it to some guys. We already have one pre-order. Uh, we have made Sergio shirts. Uh, it's got a football going through some goalposts on a blue t-shirt that says Sergio. So... Uh, I knew I had to, I wanted you to see yours. Yours is in the mail. I put it in the mail today, but I already have one, if not two people that want them. And I'm like, they might show up before yours gets there. So I had to text you the picture of the Sergio shirt. So if you want a Sergio shirt, uh, just hit up Joel or I on Twitter. Uh, they're 35 bucks. Uh, I can probably get them delivered to here in Saskatoon. If not, you might have to pay some extra for shipping at a, at a Lloyd Minster. It's my sister-in-law's company uh, that's making them for us. And uh, proceeds go to paying the football fees of my nephew, who's a pretty kick-ass offensive lineman. Yeah. And you know who pays the bills around here? I do. Is it? Is it? It's the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, right? Them. And, and there's an ad read you're supposed to make up today because you deleted the email. <laughs> okay, you weren't supposed to get into that. Uh, yeah, so <laughs> didn't an inbox purge. I went through, I unsubscribed a bunch of stuff, and uh, the ad copy for uh, our Manscaped ads has been sitting in my starred folder, and I hate with Gmail, you delete everything, including your starred email. It doesn't give you like a warning, like, hey, idiot, you start this, it's important. Sure you want to delete this, so... Uh, all I remember was it talked about your balls being shiny and space, and I usually ask Joel to play some space music, which then he refuses. But the most important part is uh, if you like keeping your equipment clean, uh, I did that today, or you like keeping your nose hairs clean, I need to also do that today. Uh, that's our friends at Manscaped. So if you're into self-grooming, uh, go to Manscaped and use our promo code FANSIDED20 to get 20% off and free shipping. That is the promo code FANSIDED20, 20% off plus free shipping at manscaped.com. And um, I feel like like part of this is like my silent protest that like there's no new ad copy and I just... I deleted it, and I'm not going to lie, I screwed up as the guy that does the ad read that pays the bills, so if they pull their sponsorship, uh, you can put this one on me there, Joel. You blew it. I totally blew it. That is a 100% you blew it moment. 
I think we have those Sergio shirts to sell now. Yeah, yeah, we can we can do that. And I, I the 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 contract is almost up too, so I I don't really know what's going on with uh with our friends over at Manscaped. But hey, we we talked about them. That that should count. I I think. We gave we gave out the promo code. We gave Absolutely. it out twice. That's yep. that's the thing. Fansided twenty manscaped.com. Uh use the performance package four point oh. Uh I used mine today. I'm sorry, Fonzie and Jacques. Um I just you know, I know you don't want too many details. I won't get into the details of my routine, but I definitely did use it today. Uh, you can say this is a real so- adcock. <laughs> The, be- the best thing is, is when you trim properly, it looks like you're a bit of a Levi Adcock. <laughs> that was former writer. This was a, that was, a, that's former writer Levi Adcock. This is Gavin Adcock we were talking about, but All, that's my I, fault. That's my fault for putting his name in your brain before we started recording. That, that's fair. <laughs> and it's also, I know a lot of other self-respecting podcasts would delete that, but we're just going to keep on rolling and go with the Adcock jo- joke from trimming your equipment. Makes it, uh, looks like you've, um gonna levi or gavin adcock after mm-hmm. you're all trimmed up and looking spiffy yeah i mean we can't we can't nail every tr- transition around here uh that one was pretty good i will give you credit for that mm-hmm. um it's not quite like my recent streak of coming up with songs on the spot but yeah. uh you know the adcock jock jo- the adcock joke i got jock Cartier in my brain now um <laughs> that's, that's the adcock joke was pretty good <laughs> Uh, because what we really need right now is a beer to add to this. Uh, for the Pile of Bones Brewing Company, John, uh, what's in the glass this week? Well, it is the official unofficial beer of the podcast, as thanks to climate change, uh, summer is now apparently never-ending in Saskatchewan, Ugh. which uh, yeah. I'm kind of okay with in a small way. Uh, it is Not a Pile of Bones though. White IPA. You tip me off that the uh, eight packs of Pile of Bones would be on sale as part of Sobe's case lot sale, so I went down. Mm-hmm. Picked myself two uh, mixed packs up for 55 bucks, and uh, you know it was a good weekend when somehow these survived from, when did I text you, Thursday that I bought these? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, they're still mostly in my fridge. In fact, I have more to put in my fridge eventually, so... Uh, That's rare for you. Very rare. Yeah, you know, staff golf tournament on Sunday that ended up uh, with, uh, with me being zesty. Have, have we ever discussed my levels of drunk here on the podcast? I don't know if we have. Okay. Okay, okay, okay. So, in John's world, we have sober. Then you have warm, right? That's when you have, like, one or two. Usually deciding how the night's going to go. You feel a little flush, a little warmer than you would. Then you have buzzed. Buzzed is when you definitely know, I'm not going to be driving anymore. Starting to feel a little loosey-goosey and good. Drunk? Well, that's self-explanatory. But past drunk, there is this band known as Zesty. <laughs> Zesty is like when you're like maximum fun, usually maximum loud. This is the part of the night where like you kind of make an ass of yourself, but not that bad. Like you'll do something like sing karaoke or like hit a golf shot with your pants down, but not your underwear, or maybe, like, do a shitty dance or hit the dance floor at a wedding. That is zesty. But when you're at zesty, you're only about two drinks away from blackout. It's, like, it's that close. So um, I was definitely zesty on Sunday, uh, while Friday, I would say I was simply drunk. But uh, I spent a lot of time on the golf course this weekend, and, uh, yeah, so that's there's there's the levels of drunk, which is also funny. Because uh, watching some afternoon television today, 
Uh, there's an insurance company from the States called Zesty Insurance. Sounds like something you could use. Yeah, yeah. I have broken shit, including my own pinky while being zesty a couple of times. So I I feel like, oh, a a good, okay, a good example of zesty is uh, the first night of the Sastrude Men's Bonds field. I was was about to ask. Yeah, yeah, that was zesty. But but see, you're still smart enough when you're zesty to do things like order your your cuckoo's pizza to arrive 10 minutes after your Uber arrives. So it's just like, boom, boom. Is zesty a requirement for broom losing speed, though? Uh, I think of that bond spiel. It was, yes, it usually is. <laughs> I can hold on to my, I can hold on to my broom until I am zesty. Fair enough. Uh, for and me, what's in your glass uh, after that long phrase? Yeah. Tangent? Uh, for me, it won't be nearly as long. Also available in said a mixer pack. Uh, we've both gone with sponsor beers this evening. That is, of course, the Pile of Bones Space Cadet IPA. Just a little maltier, a little uh, caramelier than uh, some of the other IPAs on the market. So sometimes you just want something a little more bitter, a little bitter, a little more dank. That's something like that, and uh, that's the beer that hits the spot in that regard. It really is. It's, a, mm. it's one of the uh, – I deemed it – I gave my brother-in-law from Calgary the essential IPA pack from Saskatchewan for his birthday, uh, and the Space Cadet and the White IPA were both uh, in that that I gave him. So I would deem it an essential IPA along with Zilla, uh, the Blackbridge Uno – uh, I forget I got him something from High Key and something else. But either way, it's I would consider Space Cadet an essential Saskatchewan IPA. Absolutely. Um, so, yeah, the Riders, they are 5-2 and two on the season. Could easily be 4-3, and three, or it could probably be even worse, depending on how you want to look at the way some of the games went. Um, but <laughs> here they are, 5-2, and two, and that's basically all you can say. And that's really all that matters at the end of the day, because... As I said in my post-game column following the Riders' defeat of the BC Lions, uh, they've found a lot of ways to win games over the years, especially since the start of the Chris Jones into the Craig Dickinson era. Mm -hmm. Um, What we saw on Friday night might take (laughs) the cake. And before we go into all this, yes, it was an entertaining, exciting finish. I'm not going to proclaim the entire game was amazing. It was a fairly, it was a decently played game for the most part. Like I wasn't bored by any stretch of the imagination. I was mm-hmm. just fighting to stay awake because I'd been up since seven, since like 10 to six that morning for work. So, and, and again, you work a real job with physical labor, not me that sits mm-hmm. in an office and talks to people. Yeah. So, I mean, I was just tired from that. Not necessarily because the game I thought was boring. It was, it was fine. It wasn't a classic by any stretch of the imagination until we got to the end where things just went bananas. And yeah, we finally, that is one thing that has kind of been lacking from CFL games and happens from time to time where you have sort of average to below average games for 57 minutes and then they just tend to go off the rails. And that's pretty much what we saw against the Lions. If you don't remember because you fell or you missed it because you fell asleep or you just want to hear it again because you enjoyed what happened. Or you were day drinking with two buddies from your fantasy football league and your buddy Swid mm-hmm. and fell asleep putting your kids to bed at nine o'clock and woke up to about 18 text messages. Yeah. Um, please do recount it for us, Joel. So basically, yeah, late in the game, uh, Cody Fajardo throws a pick on a ill-advised pass. So I believe it was about second and six when a first down would have sufficed. Uh, he goes deep, which has not really worked well for this team. And you get intercepted. Um, at that point, you would kind of think, okay, here we go. The way this, you know, this year is gone, it sort of felt like it was going to be over. Mm-hmm. Except it wasn't. Um, 
Yeah, so before that, the Lions also missed a field goal in the game. That was important. Uh, the Lions went up a touchdown to go score a touchdown. They ended up going up five from that touchdown. Or up, yeah, up five. And for some reason, didn't go for two. Which I, so, I, I'll, 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 I will never get. That yeah. is like... <laughs> I think that's when I opened up my Twitter feed. The number of people questioning not going for two there was at an mm. all-time high, which makes me feel good about my own echo chamber. Yeah, so I was like, huh, okay, you're going to go up five and not go for two? This, this is probably going to come back to haunt you, and it, it did. But nonetheless, uh, the BC Lions still had the lead late. Even they got the interception, they got the ball back. And then one of the best punters in the league decided to shank one a little bit. Not the worst shank we ever saw. There was a shank in college on the weekend for a seven-yard punt, which <laughs> was incredible. Uh, this was turned out to be a 26-yard net, so maybe like 10, 20 yards most that uh, yeah. they missed out on. So not great, but it could have been a whole lot worse. And yeah, then the Lion, then the Riders came all the way back down, scored, touchdown, tie game. Uh, then point after, take the lead. And the rest, as they say, is history. Of course, then the ensuing kickoff. The ball goes up in the air. They do a really high kick to force the play. And uh, Lucky Whitehead, who had scored two touchdowns in the game, fumbles it. Um, the Riders recover. Don Webb scores touchdown. <laughs> and all of a sudden, it looks like the Riders blew them out. And and anybody that had the, the uh, BC Lions covering the spread was also very upset with that totally meaningless touchdown. But you know who had a 43-yard punting average during his CFL career, Joel? Sergio Castillo. That's right! And you know Sergio would have come up clutch, which is why the man has a t-shirt now. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like... <sighs> I I was almost at a loss for words after the game, and I was I was very, I was still quite tired. I got a bit of a second win partway through the game, mm-hmm. so that kind of helped me through it all. And I remember when I finished my column, I said to Dunk, "I'm like, sorry if this doesn't make any sense," but he said it was <laughs> on point. I'm like, okay, because I wasn't really entirely sure what I was writing, to be frank. Um, and it I was I love that it, you it, led with the dumb too for the record. I, I had I to love, like I... the, the ending of that game was so dumb. It was so chaotic. And it was just everything we had been waiting for and begging for in the CFL. And we finally got it. Right. I remember I woke up at like 4 a.m. and uh, I, I, I saw your article. And before I went back to my, my very drunken sleep, I read it again. I read it. I'm like, so that's what happened. It was super crazy. I wish I didn't miss that. I'm going back to sleep now. So, uh, But I did, I did want to commend you on leading with the dumb because that is the only way we can describe the ending of that game. It was dumb, and we love it. Now, I wonder if the Lions go up seven mm-hmm. and the Riders tie the game, does the last-minute field, does the last-minute kickoff return still happen? Like I feel like there's probably, a bizarre prob- alternate universe where yeah. that game goes to overtime. Like, like you know me, and and we've talked about my love mm-hmm. of of science and multiple universes and things like that. I feel like there's a universe where they go for two and end up winning the game o- overtime. It's possible. I, I mean, there's a couple different routes I could have done. I think, yeah, if they go for two, they're up seven. Um, the Riders could opt to tie the game, and then I assume they would just go sort of with a more traditional kickoff rather than like right. a then rather than like a lazy fly ball to center field kind of kickoff. <laughs> Quite frankly, but it worked. It worked. It totally worked. What they did worked, and it was phenomenal. And I just kind of laughed at it. Quite frankly, when it happened. But there's also the other alternate universe to that where I I don't think Craig Dickinson actually would have done this, but he could have gone for two in the win right at the end of the game still. 
Uh, that seems like a, a Craig Dickinson move. I mean, it would have been I. It's a move I probably would have done because I think you know your odds of winning in that moment are still better than in over even like over time you got like a fifty fifty chance. You got like a seventy percent chance ish of scoring that point in that moment. Right. So the odds would say go for two. And I remember watching college on Saturday and it was the game between Clemson. Clemson Clemson was facing NC State. Uh, that game went to overtime and NC State had the ball last in the first overtime because they kind of do the CFL shootout thing. They do, yep. Yeah, and it was they got down and NC State scored after Clemson had scored, and I was like, go for two, go for two, go for two. They went for one and forced double overtime. They still ended up winning, but regardless, those are just those moments because I remember Indiana did that last year against Penn State, and they won by going for two by having the ball second. So I think there is advantages to doing that. And, I I mean, in professional sports, in a game like that, I don't know if Craig Dickinson would have done it. He probably should have, and he probably could have done it and really gotten away with it because they still would have won the season series. Mm Mm-hmm. Because they would have lost by fewer than four, which which uh, full kudos to Craig Dickinson mm-hmm. because you know you've seen a lot of dumb things said by coaches over the years. Yeah, um, Craig Dickinson was aware that he's like, if I need to lose by less than four, I will do everything in my power to make that happen. Yeah, he knew how important it was to win against BC. And... Yeah, I mean, but it was it's, I, he credits like credit him for saying that and thinking that way, but four is sort of that awkward number because even at even the scenario where the riders were in technically when they were at the goal line they could have kicked a field goal there lost the game but still won the season series right so there isn't really a scenario where you're probably going to be in a spot where you kick a field goal to lose by less than four but weren't in a spot to previously win the game on like the play before that right right and 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 you know what i'll give i'll give moss and i know um Actually, met one of our listeners uh, dropping Max off at a birthday party on Saturday. Ted, I'm terrible with names. I told him I'd probably get his name wrong, but I went back in the text between you and I to say said his name right. Um, Ted had some fair criticism of the Jason Moss offense, mm-hmm. but I liked the cojones to just keep it simple with two seconds left. Like, I, I I think a lot of OCs in that moment, two seconds left, they think about a pass play, maybe you can get a quick one off, maybe you got one play left, but like to just say, all right. We're going to send our big boys in. We're going to send Cody over and we're going to see what happens. Like mm-hmm. uh, that takes some stones with, with no time left on the clock to call a, uh, a relatively simple play of Cody just going over the top. So kudos to that again, to, to, to lead to that crazy ending. Yeah. And this is now two games in a row where they've shown, they've kind of got over that sort of goal line offense that basically cost them the West final. Yes. So that is that is that is that is a very important thing that this team has gotten over. We can talk a lot about the Jason Moss offense. Like the start of that game, the first half especially was just horrendous with the hitch screens and the out routes. Oh God, this, God! Every, like I both team, and both teams were extremely guilty of it. I made the joke on Twitter to uh, I believe Eric Emmons' name. I was like, that was like the forward pass banned before the start of this game. <laughs> like both teams were destroying it right along the line of scrimmage all game. I'm like, okay, boys, let's go. Throw it downfield already. <laughs> Throw it at least three yards downfield. Like, come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, and that's the thing. Like, you could like the hitch screen at times when you do when you go to it too many times is so predictable. Mm-hmm. And I'm a Steelers fan. I know exactly how that turns out. Oh, oh God, of course you do. <laughs> um, but the thing is, like, that just leads to the narrative that like it's 
games in BC in the regular season are just weird. Mm-hmm. Like, I just, I, I find them, and maybe it's because I'm either half in the bag or half in the bed. Um, I just find watching those late-night games in BC, no matter who's playing, they're just weird, and everybody okay, goes yeah. ultra-conservative. Because there was that game a few years ago when June Jones was the coach in Hamilton, and there was a lot of questionable decisions. Well, people, I actually kind of like the decisions he made. Like, he made, he punted for the Rouge to go up eight late, and then BC came back and scored and still got the two-point convert to tie at the fourth overtime and then won in overtime. And mm-hmm. I was like, I mean, like, come on. Like, like I, or we can get into whether, you know, we don't need to get into whether those were right decisions. Or not. There's a lot of weird, the goofy things that had to happen for it to backfire on him, and they did. So, yeah, but that's that's the kind of stuff that happened. It seems to happen in yeah, BC. It does, and it's a bit of the sort of Pac-12 after Derek mentality. I don't know. Like, I, I think there's, and there's a little bit of, you know, especially Eastern teams are going in, even Saskatchewan at times, depending on the time of the year and the time change. You know, it's a pretty big clock adjustment when, especially if you're an Eastern team, going into BC, starting at, you know, starting your game essentially at 10.30 at night back home. That's tough. And now imagine if there's ever a team in Atlantic Canada and they're oh, playing God. the game at like midnight their time. God. <laughs> As a as a lover of chaos, I yes. I, I, I want to see it, but mm-hmm. and it's almost like that 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 like that mentality leads to that weirdly conservative things that OCs do when they're in BC. It's just like they get to BC and they're like, all right, hit screens, runs up the middle. We're gonna keep this entertaining but boring at the same time. And yeah, it, it's games in BC are weird, and I was reminded, <laughs> not in a good way, of the Cody Fajardo, or not the Cody Fajardo, the Tino Sinceri era. Do you remember, I remember Cody, or Tino played one game in Montreal, mm-hmm. where he attempted like two passes ahead of the line of scrimmage in one half, and it was just I was horrendous. probably at that game. Because I had to cover that era, like uh, that was the year. Those were the years I actually went on the road covering oh, that team. Right, I yes. So I probably and blacked bro- a lot of that out on purpose at this point. Oh, I, I can't blame you, <laughs> but I I remember it because I was I was at my mother and father in laws when they still lived in Anglefeld, sitting on the couch, and you know they're born and bred in Saskatchewan. Essentially, they've spent most mm-hmm. of their adult lives here, so rider games are an event that the family gets together for, and the TVs in the house are all on the rider game when it's game day. And I'll never forget watching my father-in-law turn that game off, and and <laughs> I had flashbacks to that, watching the weird start to the offense in 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 that game. Now it did end up being an entertaining game, but. The start of it, at least, didn't capture my attention, which is probably why I was in bed at 10 o'clock. It wasn't all the golfing. Mm-hmm. It was the game. So Had to have been, definitely, yes. Mm-hmm. I had nothing to do with the golf and the drinking I'd been doing with the boys. No, no chance of that at all. So, yeah, the Riders, uh, they do. They've beaten the BC Lions twice, uh, securing mm-hmm. in the easy way. Uh, the season series, and I would say probably in the driver's seat to finish second in the West now. Right. With yes. that, uh, depending though, because you know, strange things have ha- stranger things have happened in the CFL. Um, their next three games, because now for three straight games, the Calgary uh, Saskatchewan Rough Riders will play the Calgary Stampeders. The Stamps will get a break in the middle there when the Riders are on a bye week and they'll play someone else. But the Riders get to play the Stamps three games in a row. That is so weird. And only in the CFL could this happen because, I mean, 
in most other sport and every other you know sort of level of football you don't play a team three times at least professional football slash you know american college football you don't play right. a team three times so you're if you do, it's in the third times in a playoff game, and the other two are they're going to not make them back to back in the which, NFL, which we've which we've seen before. I mean, yep. I remember the Riders have done that a couple times against actually Calgary and Edmonton, where mm-hmm. like the second game doesn't mean shit, yeah. and the third game's the playoff game. But yeah. three times of the regular season, you're right, is bizarre and weird, and I feel like all sorts of like I. I have this. I have a bad feeling about these three games, Joel, and it's not. It, it, well, I, it's, it's because, not. and I'll, I will give credit to Rob Vanstone of the Leader Post and Marie McCormick, who were talking about it on the Rider Rubblings podcast through the Leader Post as I was listening to it walking the dog this evening. Right. Um, under Craig Dickinson and Jeremy O'Day, which is so far only one season, and Cody Fajardo, uh, the Riders have not beat the Calgary Stampeders. Interesting. And the Calgary Stampeders finished third in the West in 2019, if you'd remember. So the Riders finished first in the West despite not beating the Calgary Stampeders once. So your right, right for concern about these games is not entirely wrong. Right. And and I'm just I'm going just off of a of a gut feeling because mm-hmm. you look at like everything objectively, and and one of my favorite things to say is that numbers never lie. And all the numbers would indicate that Saskatchewan is a better football team than Calgary this year. Everything that both teams have been through, you know, Calgary doesn't look like the same Calgary, but holy shit, if I still don't have this just like bad feeling in my gut that this team could be five and five after all of this. I'm not saying they're going to. I'm not. I yeah, like no you, you would think they'd win at least one. Not that that's any better, really, but. <laughs> Right, but I just I I I as long as I've lived in Saskatchewan, the Calgary Stampeders have just been like the doom factory for the Riders. Huh. There's been some there's been some key wins. Like obviously the 2013 West Final in Calgary was a big win, and right. then there was the Jerron Carter pick six game that they won. Right, but I mean we're talking big win. But it just yeah. seems like Saskatchewan Calgary is a hill to climb and get over and. Mm. It is different this year. Like nothing, none of the numbers I look at, nothing I look at says to me, yes, Calgary's going to beat Saskatchewan three street. I just, I have that gut feeling that something bad is going to happen to the riders in these next three games, because again, football is a tough, it, it might be the toughest sport to beat somebody two in a row in, mm-hmm. but you're playing somebody three in a row, which is even more weird. I, I don't know. I see these three. I see, Games two and three being very weird, and I don't know. I just I got a bad feeling. And if they go three and zero, oh, you are welcome to mark and play back this clip as like a dream sequence, like Tim and Sid used to do. And I hope I hope my fears are alleviated. I hope Saskatchewan has essentially locked up second place in the West with three straight wins over the hated Stampeders. But I. I, I got a feeling, and and it's nothing more than a feeling that things could go bad. Not that tonight's going to be a good night. Woo-hoo. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I would say the odds of them winning all three games are pretty low. I would definitely agree with that. Um, they should probably win two of them, but yeah, I mean, we'll have to wait and see what happens. Regardless, this is their opportunity to essentially close out their spot in the West. I think they, you know, BC's got 
BC can still get in there, especially if the Riders do lose three to the Stampeders, and all of a sudden BC is definitely back in play for second in the West, and Calgary's right. back in there as well, and then we got a whole other mess in our hands if we're back to who the hell is what again. But if the Riders have an opportunity now, this is what's in front of them to say, okay, we can put our foot down and essentially close the door to everyone behind us if we, I would say, win two out of three of these games. Yeah, yeah. Two, out of, two out of three lo- basically locks it up for you. Because Edmonton ain't catching them. No one's worried about Edmonton. Oh, God, especially after watching <clears throat> them tonight. Yeah, yeah. So like, Ed- like, so, like, of all the takes we have on this program, mm-hmm. the fact that there's something weird in Edmonton that keeps them from being good recently, Yeah, that one is holding up well because, yeah, uh, congrats on losing to the Red Blacks for the second Again. time. Yeah, and we'll we'll get into that in a little bit in a second, right? But so yeah, like this is a really big opportunity for this team to sort of put their stamp on this season and make the most of it and make sure that say they can go okay, this is who we are. We are now maybe one B standard of the West. Winnipeg is standard one. Calgary, Saskatchewan is standard two. The rest of you, you know, fight amongst yourselves. Right, but even even okay. Let's say a I I would say two and one is realistic. Mm-hmm. I don't think in football you can beat a team three times in a row when you give a shit about all three games. So two and one's realistic. Mm-hmm. Let's say Winnipeg stumbles over the next four weeks. All of a sudden, maybe first place is back. I don't see that happening. But yeah, Winnipeg would are... have to take a pretty big step back. But I mean, it's. It's not impossible. We've seen as a stra- bomber fan, I can tell you it is certainly not impossible. We we've seen stranger things happen in this league. I mean, BC Lions started one and six to go on to win the Grey Cup one year. I mean, so it is possible that yeah, the the you know the Winnipeg Blue Bombers could in theory you know rattle off a three game losing streak and all of a sudden things are interesting again. Especially because Winnipeg doesn't get the advantage of playing Ottawa this year, so they don't get right. unless you're Edmonton, they don't get the free space on the bingo card. <laughs> um, so. I mean, I'm, I wouldn't hold my breath on that happening, but what is clearly happening right now, and this is a discussion we've kind of had for a while in this league about this whole season, and from the very start was we didn't know kind of who fit where. Right. And now that Edmonton lost to Ottawa again, and it feels very <laughs> weird in general to be recording a podcast on a Tuesday evening like we haven't been for the last little while, and there was a game on this evening. Yeah. That, and it, it wasn't it, it, one of the, and it wasn't like a rescheduled game. <laughs> yeah, it's it's it or, or like how how next week technically nobody has a bye week because Ottawa yeah. plays twice in the same week of the CFL season. Yeah, uh, I mean they used sorry, to do that like now. all the time back when the back with like the Renegades in the nine team league they would make one team basically do a double and then get a week off pretty much I think. Right, it, it's it's still strange yeah. to be talking about Tuesday night football. However, as a lover of football, I'm glad that there was. Football I mean Tuesday night football that isn't action, of course. Of course, right? Of course. But I mean, for for those that are watching the pro ball and not the action, it it was just it's a weird thing to just go through Twitter and be like, oh yeah, there's a football game on tonight. So, uh, as you said though, Joel, I mm. I think you can throw Edmonton, although not although their record is the same as Ottawa right now. Yeah. <laughs> and actually, their points for and against isn't that much different. Uh, I think Edmonton and Ottawa right now are looking like the bottom tier. Uh, Calgary, I would put above them, and Montreal as well. Then you've got this Toronto-BC, we're still unsure. Then I think, to me, you've got Hamilton, Saskatchewan, and then Winnipeg. 
That's kind of how things are shaking out right now. So as the degenerate gambler, I'm about to curse all of your teams because I finally feel confident that teams are lining up in some sort of tier or positioning. <laughs> yeah, and I'm, I'm honestly just a little surprised that we've actually gotten this sort of clarity and sort of where we are in the league based on you know the year off and we didn't really know and it seemed really tight for a while. But yeah, I think it's hard to disagree with kind of what we're looking at. Winnipeg remains the clear class of the league then I would say Saskatchewan falls behind them, and I would agree that Hamilton is up there as well. They've, they've not surprisingly turned it around. Um, the record hasn't quite gotten over the top yet because they still have the odds. Be bump here or there. I just, there might still be questions about whether they are the, you know, the great cup contenders we thought they were, but they're still a pretty good football team at this point. Uh, Toronto, BC, again, yeah, they're very up and down. We don't know precisely what they are we know that they can be pretty good and there's a shot that maybe they put it together but there's still weirds ups and downs with them toronto seems to have a weird road thing bc uh reading yeah. jc abbott's uh post game thoughts on the rider game uh they're very boom and bust they either right. score a touchdown or go two and out there's pretty much no in between and you're gonna have difficulty winning multiple playoff games doing that so that's kind of the spot they're in, which is going to make it difficult for them. I still believe in Montreal. I still believe that they are better than they're showing. I don't know what it's going to take to get over the top outside of the obvious, which is Vernon Adams Jr. has to play better. Right. But I still believe in Montreal, partially out of bias because I picked them to win in preseason just to be a little different. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then from there on, you know, you got Calgary, who I believe is worse than Montreal. Edmonton, I still believe, despite losing to them twice, is marginally better than Ottawa, especially when Trevor Harris is in the game, and then Ottawa's at the bottom. To, to give you hope on your Montreal prediction, mm -hmm. they play Hamilton on Saturday, and then they go back-to-back -back against the Red Blacks. Hmm. So that's they did score like 50 last time they played Ottawa. So Right, so they've got a chance to kind of get that shot in the arm. So they, they sandwich the two teams ahead of them, with uh, with Hamilton uh, and Toronto with two back-to-back -back, uh, win <laughs> games wins uh, <laughs> against the Ottawa Red Blacks and yeah. and Ottawa with again a tremendously weird schedule. I cannot get over how weird Ottawa's schedule continues to be. Tuesday night football, Wednesday night football, Monday night football, Saturday night football, or Saturday afternoon football, which is finally kind of normal for them for two weeks in a row. Yeah. Just the strangest. I, 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 it, it always seems to be Ottawa or Montreal that has that weird schedule, and I, I'm, I'm here for it. But I'm glad we're finally starting to figure out what the hell is going on. So now I will go bet on all those teams that we think we know are winning, and completely Fraser curse them all. Hey Jacques Cartier, show's over. <laughs>